0: We've said it before, both Pastor Chad and I in our sermons, that in long sections of text such as these, details matter and so there are just a few I'd like to take time to point out today. The first is just the direct contrast to the story of Nicodemus we heard last Sunday. These two stories in John's Gospel go right one after the other. In the first story of Nicodemus, we have this man with power who was given a name, an insider with good reputation, seeking out Jesus in the dead of night. Then today we have a woman, unnamed, with little to no power. She is an outsider with a less than perfect reputation, and she meets Jesus in the middle of the day. It is almost laughable how different the details of these two stories are, but it matters. Jesus had told Nicodemus that he had come to save the world. And then what does he do? He takes his disciples on a journey to Samaria, the world. Now, not to go too far into the weeds here, but this woman is not just any outsider. She is, as author Barbara Brown Taylor calls her, a triple outsider. She is a Samaritan. Now, it's an oversimplification of a very complicated history but the Jewish people and Samaritan people had a disagreement over worship practices and it caused a rift that got worse and worse and worse and caused many problems over many generations. Needless to say, these two groups did not get along and that is putting it quite mildly. Now, not only is she a Samaritan, but she is a woman. Women in Jesus' time had little to no power on their own. They had to be attached to, to a man, you all know how I feel about this, they had to be attached to a man in order to participate in society at all. Whether it's through a father or brother or son or husband, they had to be attached. Women had no place in public life on their own. This week I read that the morning devotions of many devout Jewish men in this time included the phrase, thank God I'm not a woman. You also know how I feel about that. So, Two strikes. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. But remember, she's a triple outsider. So the third strike against her is that she is a woman with a less than stellar reputation. Now, how do we know this? Respectable women came to the well in the morning before the heat of the day. It was a social gathering of sorts where I imagine they shared recipes and commiserated about their spouses and their children A woman who would wait until all the other women are gone, who would wait until the heat of the day, well, she was definitely avoiding interaction with the normal crew. She is, in a term we now newly all understand, self-isolating. She is practicing her own form of social distancing. For whatever reason, it wasn't safe for her to show up at the well when everyone else did. Now, I have preached this before, but it bears repeating. Often this woman is given a reputation as if she is some sort of fallen woman, someone who has made bad choices or been unfaithful. But for a woman to have had five husbands, which Jesus tells her, in the system of the day, which is set up for women to have little or no power or say of their own, where she could not even initiate a divorce or a dissolving of her marriage on her own, that means that this kind of loose woman interpretation doesn't quite get it right. Many scholars now agree that she was likely divorced for being unable to produce children. And she was also most likely recently widowed. They believe this because her presence at the well in the midday is an indication that her inability to bear children has placed her outside of polite society. And when Jesus says, the one you have now is not your husband, many scholars now understand it to mean that the brother of her recently deceased widow had her under his protection. He is required by law to marry her. This law was for her protection and as a woman unattached to a man, but also to keep the family name alive and well. Seems really unfair if you ask me. So Jesus has just exposed the lack of control this woman has had over her own life and also exposed just the most painful parts of her life. And here's where it gets interesting and why I think this scholarly approach currently is correct. Because Jesus doesn't forgive her He doesn't offer her forgiveness as if there is something to forgive. He engages with her in broad daylight for anyone to see. It is a powerful interaction and one she doesn't expect at all. And for just a moment in this story, it is too much for her. She takes a step back. It's vulnerable when someone knows your most painful parts when someone sees past your mask or your label or your reputation to the real you. So I get it, I get her instinct to take a step back. Author Barbara Brown Taylor says, you can hardly blame her for this topic change. After all, she writes, if he knows all about her husband, there is no telling what else he knows about her, so she decides she would just rather not find out, and so she changes the topic. And yes, Jesus rolls with her by staying engaged. He then tells her a truth about himself. A big one. I am the Messiah. I am he. He has not said this to a single other person in the Gospel of John before this moment. This is a moment where the triple outsider and the Messiah of God stand face to face High noon, fully lit, everything that separates them falls away. Jesus tells a Samaritan woman with a bad reputation that he is the Messiah. I imagine those who read this story or heard the story in the early church were astounded. It is just a shocking turn of events. Or is it? Jesus is constantly on the lookout for the outsider, constantly widening the kingdom of God and who is included. It is the church elites like Nicodemus and the triple outsider like this Samaritan woman. It is both in the kingdom of God. Always more, always bigger, always wider. Last Sunday here at Prince of Peace, at our first service, we sang the hymn, There is a Wideness in God's Mercy. And in the second verse, this, this is the second verse of the hymn. I wrote it down because I was like, listen to this. This is just so powerful. We sang, for the love of God is broader than the measures of our mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. But we make this love too narrow by false limits of our own, and we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. If it were up to the rules and regulations and the way things are, this woman would not be included in the story of God. Jesus would have walked on, he would have found someone else, he would have waited for someone more respectable. But this story isn't about rules or regulations or water for purification, it's about water for life. Water that gives us life and life abundant and that kind of water, that kind of life cannot be contained by rules laws This is about a real life where we are known, where we are fully known and fully loved, just as we are. This is the good news of today's gospel story. Jesus meets us right where we are, in the bright light of the noonday sun, He lays us bare everything good and bad, honorable and awful. and the Messiah says, "I am He." hands us living water, not to cleanse us or purify us or follow some rule, but to give us life. There's a TV show out right now, so if we were meeting live, I'd show a clip and it would be awesome, but Nick is gonna post this clip in the the show live feed or however this works. It's Nick, I don't know how it works, but he'll do it. Um, But there's a show on TV right now called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's so cute uh, and it's kind of a joyful show, so if you need a little extra joy, go and watch it but there's a scene from a recent episode that I could not stop thinking of when I thought of today's gospel story. Again, the, the scene will be linked in the live stream below, so you can watch it if you want. If you don't want to, in this moment I'm thinking of Mo, a gender-fluid character in the show, talks about church and why he feels like he has to hide who he is when he goes to church. Because of how he might be treated for presenting as female. He shares a story of the first person who saw him and loved him just as he was. I kept thinking about this clip and thought, what happens when you're known and loved? What really happens when you don't feel like you can be who you are? Mo tells both sides of a story where He got to be who he was, and he was shunned for it. Mo doesn't go to church so that he doesn't have to be judged. This woman came to the well at the heat of the day because she didn't want to be seen. Instead, when she got there, she was more seen than she had ever been in her whole life. When you are known, when someone really sees you, It's like a drink of fresh water on a hot day. It's so good, she can't keep it to herself. She runs back into her town telling everyone, come and see, come and see. This is disciple language. This Samaritan woman is an evangelist. You have to experience this for yourself, she says. Come and see, this man knew me, he'll know you too. And they came and they saw And they too were known and loved and given life. And the same is true for us today. When we are feeling scared and worried and plenty isolated, we are met where we are, wherever we are. No matter where that is, we are seen. You are seen just as you are. You are loved just as you are. And that is our good news. Amen. Well, like we said, that was weird, but we did it. So thank you for being with us this morning uh, as we try this new thing and we stick together. Please follow any of the links below. Remember to Watch those clips and give and continue to stay connected with us as we go through this together. And as always, we encourage you to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord.